0: This is The Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi everyone, this is Kate Stevens. Welcome back to another episode of the Omni Channel Marketer. Today I'm excited to introduce Lisa Guerrera, CEO and co-founder of Experiment. Hi, Lisa.
1: Hi. It's
0: great to be here. So why don't you just start by, you know, telling us what is Experiment and you know, tell us a little bit more about your background and how that actually plays into, you know, maybe even the naming of your company.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely does. So High Level Experiment is a Gen Z-focused skincare brand. We make clinically backed products that are always thoughtfully sustainable and ridiculously fun. How we kind of like to position ourselves is creating kind of the next generation of skin essentials for the chemistry curious consumer. So a little bit about me, which I think informs a lot about the brand is... You know, my winding kind of story that brought me here. But basically, I'm 27. My background is in chemistry. I um, graduated with my degree in 2017. My bachelor is kind of realizing through the process of college, I absolutely love chemistry. I love talking about it. I love teaching it. I love thinking about it. But I didn't always love like working in the lab. I had a few years of lab work experience doing pharmaceutical research and organic chemistry and just kind of realized pretty quickly that the lab environment is a very kind of introverted environment. And I think a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs can attest to this. You like a lot of us are pretty extroverted by nature and. And, uh, that introverted environment wasn't exactly my favorite place, but I loved, you know, you know, learning about chemistry and the subject matter. I decided in college to write my thesis, not on the research I was doing, but actually something that interested me more, which was the beauty industry. So I'd grown up with like really bad cystic acne and went to Reddit when I was like 14 to learn how to like, get rid of my cystic acne. I like grew up on beauty YouTube as well, like learning through the internet on how to take care of my skin. It kind of just sparked this like lifelong interest in beauty. So in college, when I did my thesis, I did it on something that as a chemist, I think really bothered me, which was hemophobia and beauty. Chemophobia mm. is the fear of chemicals uh, in society. So Oftentimes when people are asked, what do you think of when you hear the word chemicals, it's usually something very negative. So I actually did my thesis on that and how it relates to beauty marketing and how that marketing is affecting consumer behavior. So this was kind of at the height of like the natural skincare movement. Drunk Elephant was just launching. So like clean was just starting to become a word that people were using. So it this was back in like 2016. So, you know, doing that thesis made me realize so much about kind of the millennial skin intellectual, like the the millennial skincare consumer, rather, that, you know, really informed a lot of what I do today. From that thesis, I learned that, um, you know, the way beauty products are marketed changes consumers' perception of ingredients. How they approach purchasing, you know, how that's actually affecting even their their kind of like opinions on chemistry as a science, like chemistry is the most negatively viewed science, which I think is really fascinating when I think it's the coolest. But (laughs) yeah, so that all informed my first business right out of college that I started from a hackathon um, and it was called see through. It was an ingredient transparency platform for beauty and wellness brands. We hooked into brand Shopify sites and kind of made their ingredients list clickable. So it was one of the first kind of clickable ingredients mm-hmm. list. Now they're much more popular. Um, you've probably seen a few of them on Credo or Verse Skincare. Um, there's a few other brands. We worked with brands like Rosen Skincare, Ghost Democracy, Holy Frog, Chemist Conf- We were going to launch with Chemist Confessions, but, you know, we did that for about two years um, and went through Sephora Accelerate uh, in 2019, as well as won an L Future Beauty Award for that work in Ingredient Transparency. But I kind of quickly realized that, like, B2B SaaS wasn't exactly the way I wanted to change, like, beauty culture, like, beauty consumption culture. Because the biggest problem I was still seeing was that consumers just didn't know The ingredients in their products and it was causing a lot of fear and it was creating a leverage point where brands could then market their products to consumers in kind of frankly deceptive ways, ways that kind of used fear as the selling tactic. Like, If you don't buy our products, the other products are going to give you cancer um, when the science actually doesn't say that. Um, And Mm. so, you know, a lot of misinformation gets spread really rapidly. As a woman, I'm sure you've been target of this. So, you know, women especially are targets of that. And it's particularly damaging because I think, you know, especially as women, like we are constantly, you know, fed this information. And, you know, there's a lot of like things around pregnancy, vaccines, all these things that are constantly coming at you from every angle. And you're just never sure what's true. And that's that's a really big kind of consumption culture problem. That's like a meaty problem. And so when I was thinking about how we solve that, B2B SaaS is not the answer. The real answer was who are the culture makers in the beauty industry? It's brands and its influencers at the boots on the ground consumer level. Like well, who is influencing consumers rather? And then right after that I would say it's like retailers that follow suit. Right. That's who change that's those are the people that are changing the consumption culture. So um, when I realized that I was like, okay, maybe a brand is actually the better way to solve this problem. And during that time, I was lucky enough to um, be talking for a while with uh, the CEO of Apostrophe, which is a teledermatology platform. You might be familiar with them. They're like the yellow teledermatology brand. And this was back, gosh, um, this was right before the pandemic. So this was like Mm. late 2019. And he asked me at this kind of pivotal point, I was talking to him about it. And he asked me to join the team as their head of brand. I was 24 at the time. Didn't really know. Kind of what I was doing in a sense, but he was just like, I see that you like, you know, this consumer, this like skincare consumer, you know, them deeply. And that's the people that we want to go after. So he brought me on as head of brand as, like, the youngest person in leadership, and um, all the founders were, you know, guys in their 30s, and I love them. They're all the best, but, you know, they needed someone who, who was their consumer and knew their consumer. And so I kind of, again, I'm a firm believer that marketing is learned in the streets. I have no formal training on it. I just kind of learned by doing. And so I built up Apostrophes Influencer Network, built up Kind of their marketing team, uh, social turned it completely around. And, you know, for a year and a half, I did that. I learned a lot, um, until we sold to him after that year and a half. So that was a really interesting and exciting time, right? I just learned so much from them. During that time as well, I also got on TikTok during the pandemic and started making beauty science videos to educate people on TikTok about skincare. Because I was just like, cool, this is a way to kind of change culture as well as to become kind of an influencer. And then, you know, during that time as well, we started experimenting, me and my co-founder. I met my co-founder at Sephora Accelerate. She was a chemist at Benefit Cosmetics. So she was actually watching my pitch,, um, and she circled my name in her little pamphlet about who was speaking. um, and we hit it off and we just really saw eye to eye on like where beauty was going, which was like we were seeing, you know, even just looking out at all these kind of clean brands, we felt strongly that like there was an undercurrent trend where people were like, "I don't understand what clean is. I don't know what all these buzzwords mean." I want stuff I can trust that I know what it means. And we were seeing kind of all these science-backed influencers like chemists, dermatologists, you know, estheticians, people who were educating on skincare, gaining rapid followings, like really, really fast. And that was kind of the true boots on the ground look at like, how is the culture, how is the consumer culture changing? What, What information are they digesting? Who are they following? That's their circle of how they learn. That's how consumers learn about stuff. So, you know, we we kind of took that insight and looked at the landscape and we were like, okay, there's about to be a new generation of consumers that are crazy educated, that literally follow dermatologists and chemists. It's never been more accessible to follow these kinds of people and are learning so much about skin care. We're going to have a generation of consumers that know a lot. And so, these science backed brands that are in the space, like the Ordinary, the Inky List, CeraVe, these are all brands that, like, you know, they're kind of like the first wave of science brands. They're the ones mm-hmm. that kind of like took that consumer first, the millennial kind of version of this consumer. But when I was joining TikTok in 2020, I had teenagers asking me the most intelligent questions around skincare mm. that I've ever seen. And I was like, we are vastly underestimating the intelligence of this new consumer in beauty. And, you know, they can smell BS from a mile away. And they want to be able to trust the brands that they're buying from. They grew up in an age of misinformation. The Trump presidency, vaccine misinformation during COVID. These are real world, you know, influences of Mm -hmm. misinformation. And they kind of see the end result, the logical end result of misinformation going crazy. So- you know it's it's all of these big macro trends that kind of landed in on experiment which is like we see we want to create a brand a science-backed brand that really is about kind of following the science not spreading mis- misinformation creating products that are truly truly effective but doing it in a way that is culturally relevant to the next generation of consumers so gen z doesn't just want efficacious product They want product they can share on social media. They want product that they can share with their friends that they feel is a form of their own self-expression, especially Mm. in such a digital world. So, you know, we basically summarize it with like, we want our brand to be hot and smart, right? We want our brand not just to be cool. We want it to also work. We don't want it to just be efficacious and sterile and black and white. We want it to be fun, wacky and wild. So that's really the inside that loves to experiment. All of my previous kind of roles and stuff inform, like we're constantly laddering up, informing myself about that intellectual consumer. First, the millennial one, then kind of the next generation of that one. So, yes, that is my long-winding story. But it's definitely like it, my entire adult life has been kind of learning about this consumer and how to serve them.
0: Amazing. So you now have this, you know, intellectual consumer that also cares about, you know, sharing on social. How do you think about that in your go-to-market? You know, how are you approaching that?
1: Yeah. So our go-to-market was very social media heavy. It, absolutely. We actually to date have not run ads, um, traditional paid ads. We've only worked with influencers and then run our own organic socials. One of our biggest pieces that we knew was going to be the way to launch our brand was through influencers. Obviously, me being an influencer myself on TikTok, it, I definitely had that leverage and advantage to... Go to my friends ask for a favor we were far more likely to get better rates you know from paid sponsored posts but most of what we did was gifting so we just gifted 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 we gifted i think on each launch we try to gift around 150 to 200 units each time so that's 200 influencers you got to identify prior launch and get that product to them within the first two weeks of launch either before or after we like to do it about a week before because you know it gives people enough time to try the it depends what your product is really for our kinds of products they work pretty quickly you can see results pretty pretty quickly they work both short term and long term so you know we felt comfortable okay about a week before they they can try that and then kind of uh talk through it i'd say our other strategy that worked really effectively for us and if you're a beauty brand or even a food kind of CPG beverage brand, like this would work as well, lab samples. So we Mm -hmm. actually identified a group of influencers who were kind of our core target, either friends of the brand, people we trusted, people we told about the brand prior that we knew would be excited. And we offered them lab samples to try for months before they they felt like they were part of the development process of our first products, our first like skincare products, super saturated. And because of that on launch, they were able to intelligently speak about the product too. They were like, I know this just came out, but I've been trying it for months. And let me tell you, this is the real deal. Like you can get such a strong endorsement right out the gate if you clue them in on the process. And if you give them Mm -hmm. that early access.
0: So just from more from like a management perspective how are you like logistically like selecting some of these influencers you know you mentioned derm like what what's the profile of the right influencers and mm-hmm. then you know what how do you as a very small team you know make sure that you're getting that product to everyone like what's the process you've set up there
1: yeah no that's a good question i think it's you know there's a lot of i would say solutions out there that you know brands will get pitched Um, around influencer and guys, there's really nothing better than just like brute force, like, you know, labor in a sense. Um, so we do, it's, it's myself and our intern Madison, who's our influencer intern. She's from FIT. She is herself an influencer. I think that is incredibly helpful. She fully understands how brands pitch. She fully understands what an influencer might accept or what they expect. And she fully understands what good content looks like, how to find the right people. She's a makeup influencer for reference. Um, so she's not necessarily skincare, but she's in the realm. So mm-hmm. the kind of profile that we were looking at, these are people I hand selected. So these are people, James Welsh, who is, you know, a really large, uh, YouTuber in the skincare space. We basically truly watched their content we know them we got to know them over the course of you know a few months like we built a true relationship with these people and identified them as people who just we knew would love the brand like when we're building the brand we're thinking of these influencers and who follows them and and how they would react to something like this so it's really is about like you can't fake it you really have to like understand who you're talking to and who you're working with so for this like lab sample approach i would say we gifted about like 30 to 50 lab samples total we had people asking for more we gave them more if we could and so it's really like identifying that super core group of people and just dming them emailing them messaging with them getting their feedback following up we have a spreadsheet that's our master influencer spreadsheet where we have folks who are lab samplers, we have different tabs. Folks that are lab samplers, we have our master list that we pull from. That master list has like seven hundred influencers that we've identified across TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And these are all people. The way we target is through like skincare and makeup. We look at our our kind of overall bubble industry. We look at any everywhere from macro wish list to micro. So you know anywhere from people with millions and millions of followers to people as small as like. 2000 followers so you know the other thing we look at is engagement at the people that are they have to be tastemakers they have to have good engagement if someone is hiding their likes try to dig in and see if you can figure out how good their engagement is like that these are the things that you kind of have to do and getting an intern who understands influencers or a lot of young people who do is like huge unlock huge unlock because mm-hmm. otherwise it's like insanely manual. <laughs>
0: like. Yeah. So there's no secret sauce, but there's organization. There's like, you know, building the right team, which it makes sense. You know, we're early stage too. Yeah. I get I, yeah, I get that. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you think about YouTube versus TikTok versus Instagram mm. as channels. Are they, you know, obviously different channels? Like how do you as a brand think about them the same or differently?
1: Great question. So I would say they all hold different purposes, truly. Think of TikTok like your true, true, true top of funnel. Like in our post-purchase survey, which if you don't have a post-purchase survey, get one. But in our post-purchase survey, you know, 65 to 70% of our customers find us first on TikTok. And the biggest reason for that is because we spread it as far and wide content-wise on TikTok as possible. TikTok is great for getting new people into your funnel, getting new faces, people who may or may not know you. You know, engaging with influencers on that platform. Our number one platform for influencers is TikTok. So, you know, engaging with as many influencers as possible on TikTok. And it's harder to get a post out of them. It's not quite as like easy as Instagram. But when you do, it's really great. And people are just far more likely to buy things off of it. How many times have you seen something on TikTok where you're like, Okay, I'm going to buy that. Versus Instagram, you might see the same exact product, but you don't trust it as much. You're not going to be as immediate action. So TikTok has a special superpower there where it is top of funnel, but someone could directly convert like right then and there if
0: the, the video is good enough. Why? Why do you think that? Is? I
1: think it is the authenticity of TikTok. I think Instagram, especially with a younger demographic, is just not as trusted. Um It's the same way like I see it as the evolution of Facebook where it's like Facebook used to be where everyone is. Now you don't, you can't trust the thing you see on Facebook, Instagram. Oh, right. Yeah. It's the same kind of, kind of life cycle path, right? Mm, so in, uh-huh. in TikTok's life, that's my theory in TikTok's life cycle right now, we are in the, Oh, I trust it. YouTube, I think is a little outside that YouTube is the way I think of like TikTok is top of funnel. It's quick. Right. So like we had an influencer with 14 million followers organically posted about us. It was like our biggest sales day ever. But that pop lasts like three to four days. Sure. We gained a ton of brand awareness after the fact. There's a long tail to that um, because you just had like crazy high exposure to like millions of people. But for YouTube, on the other hand, you get a big pop it, it, depending on the follower count of that person. But the tail is far longer. Like YouTube has this like more lasting power. Mm. Um, the highs aren't as high, but the lows aren't as low, right? YouTube has this ability to kind of just be more evergreen. We've noticed that like videos that are months and months old are still sending traffic to us, whereas TikToks that are months and months old are not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the big difference I see there. YouTube is definitely you know, uh, a great place. There's just a little bit more energy you have to put there. So we haven't leaned as much into YouTube, just specific people. And then Instagram, I mean, it is also top of funnel in a way, but I would say like the people that are following you on Instagram, for example, like those are your customers. They're your customers. Like these are people that are like just deeper in with the brand. But yeah, I mean, all of them I use for different purposes. Instagram is far more like more aesthetic, showing product product photos. like you know, working with influencers who like do like post their nightly routine in a photo, right? Like these are just like, it's different kind of content Where TikTok. I find you can do a more hard sell. That's as long as it's entertaining. Um, whereas TikTok, whereas Instagram, I feel like it's, it's, it's just a little different. It's a bit more aesthetic. It's a bit more brandy.
0: Yep. Totally. Thank you for educating me. So Omnichannel, what does that look like for your brand, for your consumer, for the brand's future?
1: Yeah. So right now we're primarily d to c We do uh, work with Urban Outfitters online and in stores. So we're in about 20 Urban Outfitter stores right now. They currently carry only one of our products, Avantgarde, which is a reusable sheet mask. However, starting at the end of this month, they'll be carrying... Our serum super saturated as well as in July, they'll be carrying our other product buffer jelly. So they will be carrying all of our products by July. You know, they're a great, I would say first retailer for a young like beauty brand. They, They don't have like kind of all the rules that like maybe a target or another tier one retailer would have. So it's a lot simpler and more approachable. We're one of their top brands in beauty. So that's really cool. So they'll start kind of pushing you out. But for us, like, our D 2 C is like, you know, our, our like 95% of our revenue. So, you know, we're, we're still primarily D 2 C. I think for the future of experiment, like we truly do see ourselves as an omni-channel brand, like in a tier one retailer, you know, when you think about, you know, our, when you think about like our particular consumer Gen Z, while they're very online, they do still purchase a lot in store. So, mm-hmm. you know, having that omni-channel presence is just going to be like super key for us. So that's,
0: that's where we're heading amazing something that you're bold or passionate about
1: I'm just really honestly passionate about kind of kind of the way marketing um, the way more I find the more we run this brand the more passionate I am about it, the way marketing can like uh, change culture. I think that is so interesting and how brands actually are a piece of the culture today like I think more than ever. Like brands have fan accounts, like that's insane. Like you know, we we've never seen that before. So this is, it's something that's so interesting to me, and it's something I'm studying, especially for experiments. So yeah, how how
0: marketing and brands
1: can kind of create culture. Amazing.
0: All right, so realizing we're running out of time here, so we're gonna (laughs) fly through our lightning round. Favorite omni channel brand. Vacation. Thing you wish you can change about our industry.
1: I'm gonna say for beauty, just just how products
0: are marketed. Favorite podcast?
1: The gray area
0: with Sean mm-hmm. Elling. It's like a
1: philosophy podcast. Very interesting.
0: Cool. I'll check yeah. that out. Favorite newsletter? Business and fashion. Favorite social media channel? TikTok. Favorite book?
1: Brave New World.
0: Favorite event you're planning on going to this year? Uh,
1: there's something in the Hamptons at the end of this month Absolutely. called Yeah. How do it's I get an invite to that? Uh, I can ask.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> Amazing. Um, well, Lisa, where can people connect with you?
1: On my TikTok or Instagram, uh, same handle. I'll, I'll give it to you, Kate. Great.
0: It was so nice telling your story and chatting. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. This was honestly
0: so great. Bye, Lisa. Bye. If you liked this podcast, follow me and the Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.